Hey there, I want to tell you to mark your calendar, because guess what's coming up? DuckStream, that's right, our annual streaming event where we stream games to benefit the Transactive Gender Center out of Portland is coming up the weekend of December 8th, 9th, and 10th, so the second full weekend in December. It is 48 hours of video games, fun, and charity Watch duckfeed.tv and our social media uh, accounts for more information about what's going to happen and when and all of that. Once again, the weekend of December 8th, 9th, and 10th of 2017. Let's do it again. Also, stick around to the end of this episode to find out what our winter WRPG is going to be. Mystery. My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And you're listening to Watch Out for Fireballs. It is a Games Club podcast. And this week we are reading your responses to the entirety of Resident Evil Month, specifically talking about Resident Evil 3, Resident Evil Code Veronica, and Resident Evil 7 Biohazard. Yeah. Yeah, the three, three the th- Remigos. The, the three R's. Yeah, the three R's, Resident Evil 3, <laughs> Resident Evil Code Veronica, and Arithmetic. Yep. Um, yeah, so we're going to go ahead and uh, just get started. Thanks, everybody, for writing in. Um, if you're hearing this, you still do have time to write in for November and December games, uh, December mm-hmm. games, which we're announcing at the end of this. Yeah. So if you don't listen to the end of the episode, you got a lot of fucking nerve. <laughs> and if you're going to start, this is going to be a good episode to do it. Yeah. Um, um, and just a reminder, the, uh, all of those deadlines are on the 15th of any given month. It's yes. nice and simple. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I'll go ahead and get started here with uh, my friend and yours, Allison, uh, who says via contact. Resident Evil 7 is an amazing VR experience and is currently the reason to have the PSVR. The graphical fidelity might be somewhat lower, but the immersion factor is so high that it more than makes up for it. You haven't truly played this game until you've gotten up close and personal with the contents of the fridge or physically ducked behind cover and peeked around corners while trying to evade the bakers. Mm. If you ever have a chance to play it this way, it comes highly recommended. Also, as a side note, uh, you forgot to talk about one of the DLC modes, Jack's 55th birthday. It is a pretty dumb score attack mode where you play as Mia having to hunt down food items to feed Jack. This looks so stupid. I don't know why, like how I missed it. <laughs> I, we, I, I thought we actually did talk about it. People on Slack were like, you missed that. And I was like, I really remember bringing that up, and so, but then yeah, I believe them that we didn't. But I just I I have memories. I like an inception yeah. to myself. Here's here here's where I think I got confused, and probably the reason why I haven't played this in the in the menu. It's called birthday or whatever it is. I thought that it was just a like a repeat or a way to get to uh, Lucas's escape room because that is also birthday themed. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that's gotcha, gotcha. that's my bad. I'll I'll own that for not putting it in the uh, in the notes. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I watched a thing. I knew it was something different because I watched all the DLCs that were, you know, were those ones, you yeah. know. Um, so it's uh, yeah, for those ones. I mean, for the non-story ones, I watched all the non-story DLCs, like watched a mm-hmm. compilation of them. Yeah. Um, so I knew it was a thing. I just forgot about it because it's 
little bit different than uh, Ethan Much Must Die, but like it's kind of a basic. Like one's like a tower defense thing, one's an arcadey thing, and it's kind of fun that it's silly, but it's also, you know, I'm never, I'm never gonna play this. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we talked about Allison being the, uh, the, the, the cheerleader for Resident Evil seven on VR. Um, mm. I would still like to do this. I would still like to get my face in that suit. Um, but, um, who knows when that will happen. Yeah, I, I, I could, I could definitely, I can see myself it never happening. Like if something, if like somebody were to, to, to throw a gift <laughs> VR on my doorstep i'm not gonna throw it away or sell it if or something were to break into my home put on the install it <laughs> put on the psvr over my head and then wake yeah. me up by clanging pots and pans together yeah uh, and ushering with a, with me a, forth into the world of re7 with an e-gun in my face right like yeah it's uh it's like something where i'm not gonna it's just something that like so like there, there it's a game that i've already played like despite the fact that i may have had like a compromised experience with it but it doesn't feel compromised to me like i had a no. great time with it you know so like it being the reason to own the PSVR, which is also my understanding kind of all around. Mm -hmm. Like there are a couple things that uh, are experiences you can get ordinarily, but are enhanced. So you have things like uh, keep, you know, keep talking, nobody explodes, which like you can play in VR, but you can also play that with like two binders, uh, right. you know, like it is something that that's, it doesn't seem like it adds a whole lot. And then the starship simulator thing, which is something I've like also done in real life, right. you know, is like, like there's a lot of things that you can, you can do otherwise. So like getting like a enhanced version of something that I can already get an experience that I really like on is, is a hard sell for me Yeah, for that much money well, it, and that much of like have an extra plastic in my house. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big know. commitment regardless. Yeah. So ne never saying never, but it, mm -hmm. it, this isn't enough quite to draw me. I agree that this game does seem like it's probably, and is widely considered to be like the successful AAA game that does this. Like mm -hmm. nobody, nobody was talking tons of sugar about Batman VR, <laughs> you know, like this, this is the VR game period. Not yep. just PSVR, but like this is the one that people are saying did it, you know, right. did it right. Um, and then like Res HD, but again, that's like an update of a game that's like, you know, 15 years old or what have you. Like, mm -hmm. you know, that game exists already. But for something that is is new and, and big, this is the the argument. You yeah. know, and it's it like plays so so well. So to I guess like for my experience, like I wouldn't turn it down. But also, uh, if you are got this far in the show and are not playing Resident Evil Seven because you don't have VR and like are not going to get a VR. I would say that it stands up really well on its own too. Right, right. That may be the that may be the definitive version of this. Uh, however, the game is still essential regardless. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, would yeah. be would, would be what I would say. One of those one of those takes, takes precedence over the other. Well, and I, I still feel like it's probably like I don't know whether I would get through it. Uh -huh. Like I might be too I might be too spooked oh. for that just kind of period, you know. And it's yeah. like, well, there's the version I can do. Uh, and then there's the version like I maybe can't. Yeah. Or, you know, motion sickness. That is a real concern. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. 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 Oh, well, it's good that it's available in both. If RE7 was just VR, I would probably pitch a fit, even if it was the same game. I, I would have been I would have been really upset because it yeah. just would have meant I wouldn't have played it. Right. You know, like we we couldn't have justified, you know, we could justify doing new games on the show. We mm -hmm. make enough money through Patreon. You can justify buying me a copy of RE7 much harder to justify <laughs> buying me like $500 with a VR gear yeah, you know, or $400 yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Tom, the optimist says via contact, um, Resident Evil seven is a game is the game that got me back into Resident Evil. Uh, I have to say this is a gateway game that I use to get folks into horror games between Resident Evil seven. And until dawn, 
I can get most any of my friends to play a horror game. My favorite experience is when a friend plays the game for the first time. I surreptitiously caught pictures of their reactions. <laughs> um, after after we had a stopping point, I give my friend a personal wall of shame. Then I have them do the same to me with their own spooky suggestion. That's pretty fun. Yeah. It's like uh, those haunted houses that do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Or like a, a log ride. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. RE7 would be good just because it has the uh, the first-person movement vocabulary as opposed to being something uh, different, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's got that. It's also, it, it does have the, like, adventure game uh, kind of rhythms, though, to it. Yeah. Which can be tricky, you know, if people are not are not used to that. But it's it's more approachable than, like, Resident Evil 1. Yeah. You know, it's, it's more approachable than a lot of things, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to playing Until Dawn. Like, I've been putting it off because of assignment play, but... I have it and really want to play it. Yeah, it's uh, it's fun. I've, I've heard. Yeah, so it seems great. <laughs> seems up my alley. Um, Doug says via contact. I can't claim to be a Resident Evil aficionado, having only finished the GameCube remake of one, four, five, and now seven. But seven succeeds in spades because it focuses on true horror and jettisons the campier aspects of the series. It's 100% Christian Bale, 0% Adam West. And it works because the tone is consistent all the way through. While four remains my favorite... The creepier first half of the game is definitely stronger than the mutant Napoleons and Mike of the second half. Uh, heading from the car to the Baker house, seeing the rotting food, the intro certainly recalls the beginning of Resident Evil 4. And even though I had seen all this before, it was still extremely affecting. Uh, as I made my way through yet another midpoint level with creepy wafts, RE4 again, and into the derelict tanker, shades of RE4's island base, and a tanker I uh, was sure was in the one from 5 until that didn't pan out. I kept seeing echoes of earlier games, but RE7 never gave way to being goofy or self-referential. Uh, in the end, so much of what makes Resident Evil 7 click is its extraordinary restraint. In a series known for anime levels of uh, impenetrable lore and over-the-top insanity, the decision to stick with a small location, a few enemies, and a consistent tone of dread made it one of the best entries in the series. Hopefully more designers will learn from this less is more approach. It turns out the real master of unlocking was inside us all along. I think you just wanted to put that last sentence in. It doesn't follow, but I'll let you. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't, it, yeah, I don't know how that reflects on the, the above. <laughs> right. um, yeah. I, I don't think, I don't think this is, I think this is a little bit goofier than. It, it's pretty campy. I don't know that it's a hundred percent Christian Bale uh, in relation yeah. to six to, to, to say, let's, let's say half of four, then five and six. It's a different kind of campy, but it's still, yeah. I mean, the, the next response goes into how funny the game is. Yeah. I, I think, I think the game's real goofy, yeah. like it, but it's, it's, it is a different flavor of goofy. I think is what well, yeah it is like the, the tone is, you know, very specific, even though like it does the goofiness, you know, so the first time I saw the dinner scene, like it is scary and creepy and wonderful for all the reasons we talked about, but it's also pretty funny. <laughs> you know, it, it is shocking and stuff. Uh, the game does become humorless at a certain point. Like this actually does like a little bit. So it like starts off like creepy haunted house becomes for a little while, like in the middle kind of campy when you're dealing with the bakers and Lucas, yeah. you know, like Lucas like tells jokes, yep. you know, like there, there's definitely. And then he asks Tinkertown, you to help him find a girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, 
and then and then and it keeps saying barn fight like that's a thing like, <laughs> that's, that's just, like stop trying to make barn fight happen Lucas. Yeah. barn fight is the lead is not a vhs anyone's gonna want to even though i would buy that if it's just two barns next to each other <laughs> just like stood there for 30 minutes and then just like credits with b to the a to the r to the n ends in a tie <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> there's there's an ost for barn fight oh with man the, with the, now now with the hit single barn fight yeah barn fight of course um yeah the, uh, but i i think the end of this game gets becomes christian bale right yeah. like the, the end of this game gets super humorless and like i think we all we all kind of agree that's where it's weaker so mm-hmm. it's i think i i wouldn't agree that it is not campy i would say that it's just a different kind of campy mm-hmm. and uh and and a you know a little bit more successful even though i love re7's camp so re6 but, or, 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 or re4 that's what i meant actually i like re6s too but i like re4 i think re4s is better yeah you know re6 i like but i realize it's like a brain disease <laughs> at least a little bit <laughs> <laughs> what's the resident evil version of toxoplasmosis yeah yeah, yeah exactly the, the 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 tp virus or whatever mm, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um so so let's directly contradict doug with david who says via contact i remember earlier this year on the level when talking about his initial playthrough of resident evil 7 cole had mentioned how funny resident evil games could be since I had never played a Resident Evil game before, and you guys announcing your coverage of RE7 was as good of an excuse as any, I decided to take the plunge with an open mind. And good lord, this game is hilarious. Whether it's the slapstick, the slapstick dinner scene at the beginning where Jack cuts off his son's hand for throwing a plate of food, Lucas's joyful sadism, the clown and the happy birthday tape is both terrible and genius, um, or the stray note that was actually a receipt for an in-world construction company setting up the shadow locks, I was laughing just as much as I was getting spooked. 10 out of 10 would get spooked again. Yeah, it, I, like I, I would agree that it's a, I think that maybe the difference is it's actually funny. Like oh. when six is funny, like I laugh at it. Yeah, I'm not laughing with it, though. You know, yeah. I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ, you know, like <laughs> we're in five. Like, yeah, that that fucking extreme makeover line, which gets a lot of, you know, shit, but it's because it's terrible. <laughs> and it's like it just you know, a lot of people like, think this sucks, but that's because it's really bad. Yeah, it, it's like, yeah, it, it's not like secretly like, oh, like, you know, there's going to be a bunch of defense articles about it, like the prequels, you know, the Star Wars prequels or whatever. Like, it's actually really, really terrible. Uh-huh. And like any joy I take from the plot of five is just like the the complexity of the storyline and the lore and then shit like that where i'm laughing like at it right right but re7's trying to be funny and is funny and right. i think four is as well i think to me that's the difference yeah you know yep yeah i, I mean i i don't feel like i have anything more anything more to say about how funny these games are like i think yeah. that i think that uh the best horror works with humor side yeah. by side you know yeah like for sure yeah um alexander says via contact I wanted to write in to share with you my experience with Resident Evil 3, specifically one encounter with Nemesis that will always stick out in my mind. When I was a kid, every console I owned was bought through chore money, so I didn't put together the scratch to buy a PlayStation until RE3 came out. As a result, I didn't get lowered gently into survival horror. I got chased into it by a deranged zombie maniac with a damn rocket launcher. RE3 was the first horror game I'd ever played. Given that, the scene where Nemesis burst through the window of the police station and chased me from room to room felt so real to me going straight from hours and hours of sonic 2 to this meant i was completely unprepared for this kind of experience 
Uh, everything fell away, and I couldn't bring myself to stop running until I had slammed closed the gate on another side of the street behind me. So like five screens beyond the point where he was still actually chasing me. <laughs> Having finally realized that I escaped the monster, I set the controller down with trembling hands, looked around to see if my family was nearby, and then quietly started to cry. Sorry to laugh at you, Alexander. Um, I just wasn't expecting that. Uh, I remember imagining Jill slumped against that gate, crying with the same release of adrenaline, too. But after letting ourselves loose for a second, we dried our tears, picked ourselves up, and went on to make our last escape. It seems stupid now when you look back at those chunky polygonal marionettes from the PS1 era, but the chase out of the police station was completely real to me and cemented for me that Nemesis was a real danger to me personally, not just to Jill. I still hesitate when I head downstairs for the chase, and even though I know uh, it's just like three rooms of running, and that's it. Or even though I know that's just three rooms of running, and that's it. Uh, Jill is and always will be my favorite Resident Evil character, also because she and I walked out of that together. As a result, having to fight her in RE5 felt like a deep betray uh, betrayal. Though I do have to agree with RE5 Chris that whenever Jill's not on the screen, characters should be asking, where's Jill? <laughs> my unit's dead. Yeah, um, <laughs> my unit's dead. Yeah, yeah. Poor, poor unit. Poor beef unit. <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, sorry we laughed at you crying. Um, if, I, if I'm laughing, it's because I have empathy for it. I don't know that I've ever cried, but like... I don't know. I, I must have, when we were talking about Silent Hill 3, told the story about just getting to the amusement park and having it be too much and needing to leave the room so I could go talk to my grandma. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You also cried a lot when we were recording that episode, to be honest. Yeah. Like, it was weird. That's why it was five hours long. Yeah, we edited most of that out. But if you actually go back and listen to it, like, yep, you can hear a little bit of you th it. You think I've got some allergies because it's in the spring, but no, no. Um, no, no, no. It, yeah. it's, just, it's just the memories. <laughs> the uh, memories. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I will get adrenalized and have to, like, take a break yeah. during horror games, like, just walk walk around and stuff. Um, I definitely get that. Yeah. So, And RE, RE3 is a weird one to uh, to go into the horror genre with because, like, weirdly enough, like, a lot of horror games, uh, you know, just have are really modal in terms of safety. Yep. Like, you are, uh, you know, RE1 after you kill all the zombies in a room, you could leave that going forever. Like the, the environments are actually very static. It doesn't mm -hmm. have a, a feeling of a living world. And then three actually kind of subverts that. Yeah. You know, even seven doesn't. Right. So like seven, once you, if you're not in an area where you're actively being hunted, mm -hmm. like, you know, but three gives that feeling of like, you know, this could happen anytime because it happens in the middle of scenes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and it's not like you walk out of the room and then do something and come back and it's refreshed. Like, yeah, it, it literally is upsetting the piece. I mean, and we said it during the episode, but it's worth mentioning here, too. Like Nemesis is amazing because he breaks the rules because yeah. he upends your established sense of what a door in a Resident Evil game means. Mr. X did that before this, but Nemesis is the one who kind of owns it. Nemesis does it more. Yeah. You know, and even the bakers don't really do that. Like it is like figuring out that like, oh, there's a you know, this is a chase area. And this is not, yeah, you know, like as much as I love RE7 that does like give a little bit of illusion, mm -hmm. you know, to to or kind of give a little bit of lie to the illusion. Yeah. Well, yeah. this is the, like that's a big problem with uh, the first fear game, which is the only one of those that I've played. Like when the game is trying to scare you, that means you are never in danger. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's actually 1000 percent true. Like you just switch between haunted house and soldier sections. Right. And it, there's almost no. Uh, interplay and that's like a like part of probably tied into a larger like games thing you mm -hmm. know like the like games being modal and just like not having those interplays which like i've 
complained about primarily in like the new Tomb Raiders, but like yeah. in lots of games, you know, oh, it's it's time for stealth. Let's do the <laughs> stealth section. Oh, yeah. it's time for this. Let's do that. Yeah. You know. Um, Gibby writes via contact in 2000, I saw Resident Evil three for the first time at a friend's house. It looked pretty cool, but I was awful at both RE one and two. This new one looked like an even more, uh, action oriented game. So I gave it a pass a year later. I graduated from college and had trouble finding a job one night in a fit of depression and procrastination. I borrowed the game from my friend and started playing like I had thought I was terrible at it, but I kept all, I kept playing all night. Maybe eight or nine hours later, I had beaten it. I was elated. I excitedly watched the ending where a nuke destroys all of Raccoon City. Then I shut off the console and changed the video input. The TV now had an image of the first World Trade Center tower, smoke billowing out of it. The newscaster said that a plane had crashed into it. I was obviously shocked and saddened, but like an idiot, I also thought, I wonder if that mercenaries mode is any good. I turned the PS1 back on to try the new, the newly unlocked minigame. Maybe after maybe five minutes of horror of horrifying realization, I switched back to the news and saw the second tower being hit. I hope this doesn't sound melodramatic, but for a long time, I associated my memories of the game with the national trauma taking place and my own avoidance of responsibility. I didn't play another Resident Evil game until you guys did RE4 for the show. That helped me recontextualize my feelings about the only other Resident Evil that I'd finished. Going over it again uh, has been catharsis. In a mu- I'm in a much better place now. I can actually enjoy the game along with my memories of it. Any anxiety I feel is more because of Nemesis stalking me instead of my own feelings of distress. Thanks for choosing to re-examine it for the show. It's been great. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, Gibby. And yeah, the, I when I when the first tower fell when i was on 9 11 i went back to sleep yeah like i was like i, I can't do this you know and it's like yeah uh, you know like I, I need to get away from this you don't need to feel bad about that i don't know it's perfectly human to turn away yeah <laughs> like i was in school like we just like there were people were talking about it and so like a teacher said hey this has happened and then uh, they called over the pa when the announcement hit sorry to make this like where were you on the day of but like no, i no, i had I, <laughs> I i had no option to turn away it was just like okay well i'm in algebra class it's eighth grade da 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 oh this is what today is going to be about okay yeah. like like the, 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 there was that moment and it wasn't really associated with much of anything aside from being in school with a lot of scared people and for the first time seeing a bunch of adults be upset mm mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, yeah it is. It's a um, there's something to the like, uh, I think a, a escape or turning away is a really valid option to something you can literally do nothing about. Right. You know, uh, it's like, oh, like I can't fix this. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I just I'm I'm in Illinois. Like I could eventually there'll be places to give money to. But at, like at, I was 21, too. I didn't have a job. I was living with my mom. Right. Uh, at that time. And it's like, well, I don't have money. I don't have I don't have a way to help. Yeah, uh, with this. So it's just like I'm, I gotta get away. Yeah, yeah. So I think that at the time I was playing GTA, uh, was like the game that was on my, you know, my play. You know, it currently like not I didn't go back to it. but yeah. I think that's why I was playing. So yeah. I do have those things kind of uh, together in my mind. Yeah. No, I went home and played um, Team Fortress. Like hopped yeah. on with my peeps, and just like chat. Like everybody was just standing chill. We were using as a chat client. Mm. Yeah. You could have killed up. You could have like really cleaned up as far as flag catchers uh, in that moment. And... <laughs> really, 
until he played like, the you, opportunist. Yeah, you're like, I take it. You're like, it's like a Nick, Nick Cage and Lord of War. <laughs> yeah. Getting a bunch of caps. <laughs> Rechange my name to Halliburton. It's yeah. like, so whooped. <laughs> oh, um, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, you know, you never will. Um, I'll, I'll wrap us up here with, jo- with Joel, uh, our only Code Veronica response. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joel says, via contact. Uh, I'd always been a fan of the Resident Evil games uh, series growing up, but Code Veronica was the first I'd actually played after saving up my bar mitzvah money to buy a Dreamcast. This is why it'll always have a special place in my heart and is still one of my favorite games in the series. One of my first RE memories is limping towards the palace with my health on danger and the dogs chasing me with no ammo or healing items left. I took them on with a wonderful with the wonderful combat knife, tearing into them while my older sister shouted "slash slash" in encouragement. <laughs> I love the macabre atmosphere of this game, which I feel has been absent from a lot of the more contemporary entries in the series. Areas like the torture chamber in the prison, the private residence, the Nosferatu cutscene reveal, the giant spider under the ice, and the bandersnatches all creeped me out back in the day. Also, I think the soundtrack is one of the best in the series. I actually managed to complete the battle game as Wesker, and in doing so also found uh, Thomas Wilde's hilarious battle game strategy guide which still makes me laugh to this day, detailing Wesker's tendencies to threaten explosive barrels with his knife, take half a step forward and every slash and end up slamming his knife into the wall and then rotate to the left every time he's slashing towards the ground and turn his back on hordes of advancing enemies. I strongly recommend fans of the games to uh, read it. And there's a link. Um, He also co-wrote the outstandingly comprehensive RE plot guide, which we've referenced like a billion times. Yeah. Um, Looking back, uh, Resident Evil Code Veronica seems like one of the last pure survival uh, horror RE games. While Remake was a masterpiece, Zero seemed a bit too gimmicky and lost the critical sense of isolation and loneliness by having a nearly ever-present partner. For me, Code Veronica had all the right buttons and what I want from an RE game and is an underappreciated classic. Yeah. The soundtrack in Code Veronica is real good. Um, it's it's weird stuff. I was real bummed out trying to put, to the, put together stuff for Seven, realizing that um, even for me... You know, for myself, somebody who loves atmospheric music, uh, that soundtrack ain't great. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty anemic. Yeah, but Code Veronica's good. Code Veronica's is really good. Yeah. Um, like, other than, like, did I put it uh, in the Slack channel, um, and it shows up in the episode, but, like, the ending theme to that, the credits theme, yep. is incredible. It's a, it's like Perfect Strangers. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, 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 it's, a, it's very funny. So, like, sometimes it's, it's I, don't, I don't think the soundtrack is particularly appropriate, uh-huh. but when it's actually scary, like, it's a really good soundtrack. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so mm-hmm. would agree there. Like other than that, like, you know, we, we kind of had different takes on it, but, um, you know, that was not filtered through a first blush. Right. Like we're both longtime series fans. So, yes. Um, no. and, and that, that fact, I can understand where, where, where it might come across as funny. We would have torn it apart if that came up on abject suffering. It's kind of, that, that, that's actually probably true. Uh, <laughs> if, if like, we didn't know who, especially if we didn't know who Wesker was. Right. You know, and we were just like, who is this guy and why is he so happy about this game controlling bad? <laughs> you know, like that probably would have been the joke. Right, right. So, yeah. And that's all the responses. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I expected more. Yeah. Not like in a mean way. Uh, not chiding anybody. No. I did expect more. Um, that's quite all right. If you have uh, things to say about uh, any of the games upcoming, uh, which for November include Transistor, uh, Act Razor. And Thimbleweed Park hit us up by November 15th. Yep. Um, and if you have any thoughts about our winter WRPG, 
hit us up um, at which uh, we should announce it. Well, 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 we should. I was going to do a whole thing. Yeah. Like, well, oh, okay. but by, Dece- by, by December fifteenth. Wait, I figured I'd cut you off though. So but, I, I just, yeah, I, make I it make it real awkward. I do a whole bunch of crosstalk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna make it bad. Cool. Yeah. No. But you might be saying, what is your winter WRPG friends? Mm-hmm. Um, and if so, you got a lot of fucking nerve. Because <laughs> we, we will tell you when we're goddamn good. You come into my house? Yeah. Uh, you suck my... Uh, the, uh, <laughs> I don't know where that came from, but I, uh, like using that tone to be like, <laughs> you suck my dick, and you do this... <laughs> like, very indignant, very possessive of your like, dick. A, like, a, like, a very, like a very different version of like Goodfellas. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's like... Anywho, I don't, I don't. We don't need to chase that rabbit hole. No, it's fine. because it's it's deep. But the um, yeah, we'll we'll just announce it. We're doing The Witcher Three, The Witcher Three Wild Hunt, four mm-hmm. episodes, one night only. Well, f- mm-hmm. four four nights over the course of December. Yes, uh, the entire the entirety of December. Um, we are just doing the base game that that changed. Yes. Uh, our original intent was to do it and the expansions, but one of the expansions is very beefy, and the game is ridiculously huge and complicated. And unlike in other times we've done WRPGs where we've kind of tag teamed it and book reported it, uh, I think we're both kind of planning on doing pretty close to to all the, the major content. Yeah, because here's the thing. I'm enamored with this game. We've made allusions to having played it, like, starting way back in the summer. Like, we've known we were going to do this for a while. Um, mm-hmm. You would have to really work pretty hard to get me to not play as much of this as I could. Yeah. Like it, it is, uh, it's pretty amazing the way that like the side content in this, uh, makes most side content look like an absolute peanut girl, uh, and <laughs> like extremely not good enough. Okay. I, I think, uh, like a peanut girl, uh, that, that's a three times one minus one Mr. Show thing. Okay. Okay. Like, I, I forgot about the peanut girl. So he says, like, I think he says something like, he's like, well, it's not a peanut girl. It's like a peanut, com- peanut comet, comma girl. Okay. You know, it's like, uh, it makes the assassination of Abraham Lincoln look like a peanut, I think is what he says, <laughs> okay. which I like a lot. Yeah. Um, I don't know why that popped in my head, but it uh, it does make most people who design side quests look like amateurs. Right, um, right. Because that's all pretty good little monster stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to do all the monster stories. It doesn't mean we're going to clear like every monster. I think that the thing we're safe on taking a pass on are monster nests. Uh, hidden treasures, yeah, and guarded treasures. C- 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 kind of not doing the treasure hunts or the scavenger hunts unless I find myself accidentally up on the line of having all the pieces. But like, yeah. if it is a contract or a or a side quest, I've got a big whiteboard with all the quests written on it, and I'm crossing them off as I go. Um, yeah, so we're going to cover that over the course of four episodes. We're still deciding on the split right now. We're leaning toward the first episode being a big beefy kind of generalities. Uh, episode where we talk about a bunch of the systems and maybe like the tutorial or something. Yeah. Yep. And then uh, an episode on the plot or, you know, maybe two episodes depending on how much there is to that. And then like an episode on side, side content. Right. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's going to be really fun. And uh, just before anybody asks, um, we're planning to do the expansions. Yes. Um, we, we're going to do the very good. Yeah. Um, we're going to do those in 2018. Um, so at some point during 2018, uh, you know, probably during kind of free play months, mm-hmm. we're going to hit up them, uh, them shits. Yes. And, uh, so sometime, you know, throughout, uh, 2018 and late 2017, we'll have done all of the Witcher three, which I'm really excited about. Uh-huh. Um, I was surprised more people didn't guess this. <laughs> I never know, saw like, anybody so- do any guessing. Like usually it came up like Baldur's Gate two or something like that. Baldur's Gate two was a big guess. Some people were just like, cause I was playing, um, Tides of Numenera and people were like, oh, I thought this would be the WRPG. 
ah. you know, for the winter because we kind of hinted at. It. And it's like, well, like, the, first of all, that game is 31 hours long. So that yeah. doesn't that's not gonna take us a month to cover. But like, it's something something bigger than that. It doesn't preclude mm-hmm. it. You know, this doesn't preclude Baldur's Gate 2 or Tides or anything like that in the future. Yeah. But this year, this was always our plan. And it's part of, I think, the kind of extended Bonfireside Chat Olive Branch. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, because this was something that a lot of people suggested we do for Bonfireside Chat. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bonfireside Chat ended. So we did, uh, you know, we started off with Final Fantasy IV, like a big uh, big RPG that a lot of people liked. And then this is some some semi-connected content. Yeah. Uh, it has kind of more more connections than you might think. Yes. I think. Yeah. So very much looking forward to that. I'm already a good way through it. I, I don't know how to check my play clock on it, but I've got a lot of hours in. So, yeah. And, and I started over. I played a bunch of it for Comrade mm-hmm. and I started over and I got I've gotten past that point where I was before going to refresh my memory. So um, I feel like I'm about a third yeah. uh, through the game. So, yeah, um, really, I, it's all I, I'm, I'm it's got its hooks in me real bad. <laughs> like, it's like pretty much what I want to do yeah. uh, in general. So, <laughs> yep. the, uh, yeah. It's uh, I'm looking forward to playing more of it this very day. Me too. Um, if you, the other thing you can do, if you like the show, so other than, you know, writing in and, and, uh, letting us know your thoughts, which we really appreciate, uh, you can support us on Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash duckvtv, you can uh, kick us a couple of bucks a month. Um, we're only halfway through the month and we are above the, uh, heartbeat city mm-hmm. level, which makes me think that even with the November credit card declination, you know, drop off that happens on the first, I think we will still, uh, be above that. Yes. So this might be the month where it, where it happens, baby. Mm-hmm. And thanks everybody for doing so. And uh, yeah. yeah, that makes a makes a huge difference for us um, in our mm-hmm. lives, being able to dedicate the time to this venture. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, at the beginning of this episode, I believe I mentioned the um, the upcoming stream event that we're doing uh, duck stream mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and uh, gave the whatever details were to be given there. But want to remind you again, that is uh, a yearly thing that we do. Um, on the other side of the year from the community event that happens in the spring. Um, mm-hmm. And we are looking forward to having you along to watch because they are always a very good time. Yeah. Yep. Looking forward to doing that again this year. And uh, thanks to everybody who came up and said hi to us at PRGE. Yes. Um, yeah. And I think that's probably about it. Think so. so yeah. Thanks everybody. We will see you guys uh, next week with an episode about uh, transistor. Yeah. Um, and until then, wa- watch out. For Wesker with his knife. Yes. Watch out for Wesker with his knife dog. Uh.